0: Chapter Sixteen of Malcolm by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Devora Allen. Chapter Sixteen, The Storm. There came a blinding flash, and a roar through the leaden air, followed by heavy drops mixed with huge hailstones. At the flash, Florimel gave a cry and half rose to her feet, but at the thunder fell as if stunned by the noise on the sand. As if with a bound, Malcolm was by her side, but when she perceived his terror, she smiled, and laying hold of his hand, sprung to her feet. "'Come, come!' she cried, and still holding his hand, hurried up the dune and down the other side of it. Malcolm accompanied her step for step, strongly tempted, however, to snatch her up and run for the board crag. He could not think why she made for the road, high on an unscalable embankment, with the park wall on the other side— but she ran straight for a door in the embankment itself, dark between two buttresses, which, never having seen it open, he had not thought of. For a moment she stood panting before it, while with trembling hand she put a key in the lock. The next she pushed open the creaking door and entered. As she turned to take out the key she saw Malcolm yards away in the middle of the road and in a cataract of rain, which seemed to have with difficulty suspended itself only until the lady should be under cover. He stood with his bonnet in his hand, watching for a farewell glance. "'Why don't you come in?' she said impatiently. He was beside her in a moment. "'I didn't ken you would let me in,' he said. "'I wouldn't have you drowned,' she returned, shutting the door. draw he repeated. "'It would take a handle to drown me. I stuck to the bottom o' a Wommel boat a whole night when I was but fifteen. They stood in a tunnel which passed under the road— affording immediate communication between the park and the shore. The further end of it was dark with trees. The upper half of the door by which they had entered was a wooden grating, for the admission of light, and through it they were now gazing, though they could see little but the straight lines of almost perpendicular rain that scratched out the colors of the landscape. The sea was troubled, although no wind blew. It heaved as with an inward unrest. But suddenly there was a great broken sound somewhere in the air, and the next moment a storm came tearing over the face of the sea, covering it with blackness innumerably rent into spots of white. Presently it struck the shore, and a great rude blast came roaring through the grating, carrying with it a sheet of rain, and, catching Flormel's hair, sent it streaming wildly out behind her. "'Dinna ye think, my lady,' said Malcolm, "'ye had better make for the house. What with the wind and the wit together, you'll be getting your death a cold. I gang with ye so far, gin ye'll me.' "'just to hold it on blown ye away.' The wind suddenly fell, and his last words echoed loud in the vaulted way. For a moment it grew darker in the silence, and then a great flash carried the world away with it and left nothing but blackness behind. A roar of thunder followed, and even while it yet bellowed, a white face flitted athwart the grating, and a voice of agony shrieked aloud, "'I dinna ken where it comes frae!' Florimel grasped Malcolm's arm, the face had passed close to hers, only the grating between, and the cry cut through the thunder like a knife. Instinctively, almost unconsciously, he threw his arm around her to shield her from her own terror. Dinna be flayed, my lady," he said. "It's nothing but the mad laird. He's a quiet creature enough, only he doesn't ken where he comes frae. He doesn't ken where anything comes frae, and he can abide it. But he would not hurt living creature the laird. What a dreadful face!" said the girl, shuddering. "'It's not an ill-fired face,' said Malcolm. "'Only the storm's frighted him by ordinary, and it's uncle Gisley the know.' "'Is there nothing to be done for him?' she said compassionately. "'Not upon this side the grave, I doubt, my lady,' answered Malcolm. Here coming to herself, the girl became aware of her support, and laid her hand on Malcolm's to remove his arm. He obeyed instantly, and she said nothing. "'There was some speech,' he went on hurriedly, with a quaver in his voice, a puttin' him into the asylum at Aberdeen, and no letting him score the country this gate, they said, but it would have been sheer cruelty, for the creature likes nothing so well as running about, and does no manner a hurt. A vera bairn can guide him, and he has just as good a right to the liberty God gives him as any man alive, and mair nor a hantle. Is nothing known about him? A thing's known about him, my lady, it's known about the lay of us. His father was the laird of Gersville, and for that matter he's laird himself now but they say he's ta'en sick as Skinner at his mother, that he cannot bide the very word o' mither. He just cries out when he hears it. "'It seems clearing,' said Florimel. "'I doubt it's only holding up for a wee,' returned Malcolm, after surveying as much of the sky as was visible through the bars. "'But I do think ye had better run for the house, my lady. I suggest just follow ye, a few yards a hind till I see ye safe. "'Dinna ye be feared. I sa' take good care. "'I wouldn't ha' ye seen in the company o' a fisher lad like me.' there was no doubting the perfect simplicity with which this was said, and the girl took no exception. They left the tunnel, and skirting the bottom of the little hill on which stood the temple of the winds, were presently in the midst of a young wood, through which a graveled path led towards the house. But they had not gone far ere a blast of wind, more violent than any that had preceded it, smote the wood, and the trees, young larches and birches and sycamores, bent streaming before it. Lady Florimel turned, to see where Malcolm was, and her hair went from her like a maenad's, while her garments flew fluttering and straining, as if struggling to carry her off. She had never in her life before been out in a storm, and she found the battle joyously exciting. The roaring of the wind and the trees was grand, and what seemed their terrified struggles while they bowed and writhed and rose but to bow again, as in mad effort to unfix their earth-bound roots and escape— took such sympathetic hold of her imagination that she flung out her arms and began to dance and whirl, as if herself the genius of the storm. Malcolm, who had been some thirty paces behind, was with her in a moment. "'Isn't it splendid?' she cried. "'It blows well. Very near as well as my daddy,' said Malcolm, enjoying it quite as much as the girl. "'How dare you make game of such a grand uproar?' said Florimel, with superiority." "'Make game o a a blast o' wind by comparin' it to my grandfather,' exclaimed Malcolm. "'Hoot, my lady, it's a compliment to the biggest blast ever blew to be compared to an old man like him. I'm more used to them to mind the muckle myself, cept to fight with them. But when I watch the seagulls dartin' like arrowheads through the wind, I sometimes think in mon be grand for the angels to call about great flags o' wings and a mortal whirsel with such a hurricane as this. "'I don't understand you one bit,' said Lady Florimel petulantly. As she spoke, she went on— but the blast having abated, Malcolm lingered, to place a proper distance between them. "'You needn't keep so far behind,' said Florimel, looking back. "'As your ladyship pleases,' answered Malcolm, and was at once by her side. "'I'll gain till ye tell me to stand. "'Eh, so different as you look for the other mornin'. "'What morning?' "'When you was sittin' at the foot of the board Crag. Board Crag? What's that?' "'The rock with a hole through it. "'You ken the rock well enough, my lady.' You was sittin' at the foot o it, readin' your book, as white as guinea had been made o' snow. It came to me that the rock was the sepulchre, the hole the open door o't, and yourself one of the angels that had folded his wings and was waitin' for somebody to tell the good news till that he was up and away. "'And what do I look like to-day?' she asked. "'Oh, the day! Ye look like some creature o' the storm, or the storm itself takin' a livin' shape, and the bonniest it could. Or maybe, like Ariel, gurn afore the wind, with a blast in his feathers, ruffling them all gates at once. "'Who's Ariel?' "'Oh, the flying creature in the Tempest. But, in your bonny southern speech, I dare say you would call him—or her—I didn't ken Wilk the creature was—you would call it Ariel?' "'I don't know anything about him, or her, or it,' said Lady Florimel. "'You'll have all bottom him up in the library there, though,' said Malcolm. "'The Tempest's the only one of Shakespeare's plays that I read, but it's a grand one.' as Mr Graham has implored me to see. "'Oh, dear!' exclaimed Florimel. "'I've lost my book!' "'I'll gang back and look for it this minute, my lady,' said Malcolm. "'I can ilk a foot o' the road we've come, and it's not possible but I fall in with it. "'You'll soon be home now, and it'll hardly be on again afore you win in,' he added, looking up at the clouds. "'But how am I to get it? I want it very much. "'I'll just vest it up to the house, and say it I found it where I will find it but I wish you would lend me your pocket-nepkin to row it in, for I'm feared for bloodnit fore I get it back to ye. Florimel gave him her handkerchief, and Malcolm took his leave, saying, "'I'll be up in the course of a half hour at the farthest.' The humble devotion and absolute service of the youth, resembling that of a noble dog, however unlikely to move admiration in Lady Florimel's heart, could not fail to give her a quiet and welcome pleasure. He was an inferior who could be depended upon, and his worship was acceptable.' not a fear of his attentions becoming troublesome ever crossed her mind, the wider and more impassable the distinctions of rank, the more possible they make it for artificial minds to enter into simply human relations, the easier for the oneness of the race to assert itself in the offering and acceptance of a devoted service. There is more of the genuine human in the relationship between some men and their servants than between those men and their own sons. With eyes intent and keen as those of a gaze-hound, Malcolm retraced every step up to the grated door. But no volume was to be seen. Turning from the door of the tunnel, for which he had no sesame, he climbed to the foot of the wall that crossed it above, and with a bound, a clutch at the top, a pull and a scramble, was in the high road in a moment. From the road to the links was an easy drop, where, starting from the grated door, he retraced their path from the dune. Lady Florimel had dropped the book when she rose, and malcolm found it lying on the sand little the worse he wrapped it in its owner's handkerchief and set out for the gate at the mouth of the river as he came up to it the keeper an ill-conditioned snarling fellow who in the phrase of the seaton folk read on the rigginal authority rushed out of the lodge and just as malcolm was entering shoved the gate in his face ye come no in without the leave o me he cried with a vengeful expression what's that for said malcolm who had already interposed his great boot, so that the spring-bolt could not reach its catch. "'There is no land lopin rascals coming here,' said Bikes, setting his shoulder to the gate. That instant he went staggering back to the wall of the lodge, with the gate after him. "'Stick to the wall there,' said Malcolm, as he strode in. The keeper pursued him with frantic abuse, but he never turned his head. Arrived at the house, he committed the volume to the cook, with a brief account of where he had picked it up begging her to inquire whether it belonged to the house. The cook sent a maid with it to Lady Florimel, and Malcolm waited until she returned, with thanks and a half-crown. He took the money, and returned by the upper gate through the town. End of chapter 16